Welcome everyone to Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. I hope your cruise was a pleasant one. Welcome to the bar. Kick up a stool, grab yourself a drink, and prepare to uh, wax intellectual with us for another session. I am your host, Drew. With me, as always, is Orlando, my co-host. How's it going? Today, I was planning on doing something more cerebral, and I may end up making another segment about it later anyways, but this time around, with things that have occurred in the past week or so, couple weeks, I've been postulating on things, and it, nothing new, obviously, because I think everybody to a point when you get to a specific age starts pondering the, uh, the, the, the paradox that is mortality as a whole. And for me personally, it's something that I've long since accepted, and it's not a sharp. It's not a sharp thing for me anymore. That doesn't prick me the way a lot of people do. And the concept of the midlife crisis to me, it, if it if it happens to me at some point at, at whatever manifestation that ends up happening, or you know, mortality chases after my heels, and I'm worried about that kind of stuff, it probably wouldn't take take it too much of a manifestation for me specifically. But I know that other people definitely have their um, <clears throat> they have their hangups with the thought process. Everyone everyone wants to live forever. The problem ends up being is that the, the the dichotomy of that is something that they, no one ever really takes into account. But at the same time, no one there there are people, especially ambitious people, never feel like they they've they've completed what they've wanted to in the time frame that they believe that they they are warranted in this life and within the regards of that kind of stuff that that's an uh, that's an obvious thing to worry about no matter what your you know energy level is that's something you should be worried you should think about at least in part not dread it obviously because death is one of those things that's uncontrollable you're going it's going to happen we have not hit the point where we can we can achieve medical immortality and i don't believe it'll be something that'll happen anytime soon Life extension is one thing, full-on immortality is completely another. The other aspect of mortality that really does come, really does pop into my head from time to time, tends to be just the the wanton, wanton violence and destruction. But moreover, not just to other people, but to oneself. Having dealt with it, with uh, at least two two people who have committed suicide in my in my uh, life, either a family member or a family friend. It's something that is always kind of front and center in my mind, and it, it, I don't mourn it so much anymore. I mean, the, last, the first time it happened obviously had a heavier impact on me than it, than the second time it happened, but it was more from more in the fact that it's just my I've I've accepted death as as a uh, as an inevitability where it, not in that weird maudlin you know nihilistic everything you do has no meaning kind of way moreover in a you really are bidden to only have so much time on this earth and what you do with it's really the value and what you're what you take from this life but with recent events that had happened in in uh, uh, pennsylvania with the uh um the, the uh domestic disturbance that had occurred that resulted in three deaths it's it definitely Having watched the actual video and seen the prospect, I do not recommend doing this, by the way. Please don't. 
if you are weak of stomach, it, this isn't Hollywood violence. This is not some glorified, you know, last stand in a dystopian nightmare holding a shotgun, blowing away zombie scenario. This is real, actual violence between real people over something that was completely and utterly irrelevant to why that why that violence had occurred. And I honestly, it, it actually shook me a lot harder than I would have met, would have thought. Not the concept of death as a whole, but the the, the fact that death can have, could have occurred by for some some something so meaningless. And let's be perfectly honest: what had occurred was a was a was a skirmish, if you were, or if you would, a disagreement about snow. Apparently, the the individuals in question were moving their snow over onto another person's property across the street. That person came out and started an argument with them about it. Uh, the 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 couple that the couple that had the couple that had instigated it had you know threatened the the one individual across the street, and things escalated beyond beyond any of theirs control. Now it came to light later that there were extenuating circumstances beyond that. There were they had had a past history of conflict going going back a bit. But I, I, regardless of how long that had occurred, I don't care if it even came to blows. I don't really believe in that context that that level of violence was necessary. And to and to and to summarize, the the gentleman came out, pulled a pulled a handgun out shot both of the uh, both individuals or both the both parts of the couple and then proceeded to go back in grab an ar-15 and then unload more rounds in the in the wife who was laying bleeding on the ground and the husband who was off camera because the person the because the couple had a uh, security system and a camera system outside of their house so the whole thing was not only filmed it was also with sound so you got to listen to every graphic detail that had occurred and my my issue at hand with that was well obviously the excessive use of force at all but the force of the use of force in any capacity within that within that paradigm was completely and utterly unnecessary especially because after everything that occurred the man after you know unloading you know several rounds in the both of the both of the both the husband and the wife ends up off offing himself after everything else just as the police were coming so we have three de- we have three dead people potentially several families who now are absent these people for 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 something so goddamn meaningless as as snow being moved on the property i don't care about the past feud at that point because the past feud to the outside observer does not factor in to the the needlessness of what had occurred, so for me, it's just something that it had been bubbling in my head for a bit, and I and I wanted to bring it up in in the podcast. Yes, it's a bit of a heavier subject, obviously, and I I would uh, listeners, if you're not into talking about that kind of stuff and and the macabre in that aspect, I absolutely I absolutely do not fault you for stepping away from the bar, please. Take it to go cup for your drink and have a lovely evening if that's the end up ends up being the case. For those of you who have who who are un, un, undeterred, grab a gra- grab a shot of the strongest we got on the shelf and we're going to get into it. 
Well, this was quite a bit. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack here. Okay, so I think it's fair to say, unfortunately, the circumstances have to be, it's that we humans, unfortunately, hold our lives very cheaply. It's been shown that throughout history, we do not hold ourselves very highly at all. We may pretend to do, we may have this moral grandstanding that we try to hold ourselves at a higher value. (laughs) In reality, examples like that show us every day that that doesn't even come close. It's sad to see when it comes to, it's just sad to see that where you see things like absolute slaughter over frozen water of all fucking things that reminds us of just how pointless some things are or at least pointless on on the fact you can understand that as a Honduran myself I I'm not very proud of that moment that my nation would even do something so stupid but rage often makes us do very very stupid things and that's just one factor when it comes to human in, to indifference to human life we have many different factors that can ultimately have us commit <laughs> What is essentially, not essentially, it is unspeakable crimes. I, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. There is, there is so much to unpack. Hey. <laughs> yep. Take your time, dude. I, I understand. <laughs> Trust me, and I was telling you when I I first was watching the video, I watched it without audio first time around, and then I watched it again with audio. And I even told you, it's like, I'm going to need a bit of time to just kind of absorb what I just witnessed here. The, The needlessness of it is really what I think put me over it. I mean, that and just in any in any normal situation, unless you're a absolute detached sociopath. Watching a person climb around on the ground, bleeding, screaming, please, somebody help me, is going to trigger some kind of empathetic response of you either wanting, wishing you were there so you could help or, you know, wishing you didn't have to, that person didn't have to suffer as they did. Because it wasn't a clean death in that regard. And for both of those people, as they were both very much alive throughout the entire process. And as I said before, with the graphic I, details, the individual in question point blank shot the woman in the head and then proceeded to finish her off after the fact with with his with his AR-15. So both individuals had already received a few bullets prior to him finally put, putting the finishing touch on what he had already accomplished, which, again, disgusting to say the least. But again... Without Again, we don't know what the bridge no further scenario was in that because we don't know what their past conflicts had equaled up to that. 
not saying it's a, it's an excuse to explode in absolute utter death death and destruction but when you're trying to build a build a narrative as to why something had occurred you you need the building blocks to be able to go why why did it get to this point and that's generally the major headache in my head with it is yeah you can tell me that they had beef in the past but what does that mean or was it just was it just passive aggressive sniping that occurs between uh, neighbors occasionally was this an ongoing thing where the, the, the where the where the the two men were coming to blows all the time, you know, pretty much nearly constantly. I mean, I, I've heard stuff about Pennsylvania as far as the, as far as the the rage is concerned, but I didn't think it gotten to that to that point. But who knows? I heard stories about somebody in Pennsylvania who was a a verified sharpshooter for the military who got tired of someone talking in a theater and and shot them for talking. He didn't kill them because he knew exactly how to shoot them, not to kill them. And he had stated stated as such when the police arrived. So I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's something in the water there. I, I don't know. Maybe again, maybe it's a combination of things. We don't know what the powder keg was as far as that was concerned. I can't remember if it was Pennsylvania or but I know I know centuries prior there was a territorial dispute between two states in in New England and I don't know. Maybe this is just one aspect of it. Maybe this was a part, a contributing factor. I doubt it, but it's like maybe at least it would show that this behavior is not necessarily exclusive or maybe this is habitual. I don't know, but I mean, there could have been a, uh, a possibility of a territorial dispute considering just how angry they were and how they were. I mean, it was based the fact that snow was being put onto someone's property. So, you know, maybe territory happens to be in the <sighs> pride could also technically be a another factor in the matter, considering just how stupid and er- and ignorant that the couple was being when they in where they were basically calling out that dude's bluff when he threatened them with violence. Again, when, when, at the end of the day, there's nobody really to blame anymore because they're all dead. There's, there's no, they, they, you can yeah. point fingers in every which way direction, but the people who the, the culprit along with his victims are all gone. All that's left is whatever gaping wound in the community that they created with their, with, with their actions. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to yeah. waste time with bl- with blaming anyways. This might have been a cultivating thing where they might have been harassing him for years and he finally just had the, ha- had it. If you listen to the audio, they were goading him hard. And to me, that sound if I if I'm going on just that for that framework and the in the little information I have about the background, to me, his response is indicative of someone who went, "Okay, I can't do this anymore." These people have pushed me. I've went through every every possible avenue, both polite and impolite, to try and make to try and make my life easier. In contrast to dealing with their stupidity or or their their brazenness, whatever goes through his head at that point. And unfortunately, that was his solution. And I mean, good. If you want to look at it from the macabre aspect, 
at least the police didn't have to do a great deal of paperwork because they didn't have anybody to, uh, other than witnesses, they didn't have to worry about any uh, police reports being filed because the people in question are all gone. Agreed. Sadly, but I agree. It's, it it is what it is. I, I I didn't want this to be the major focus of it. I wanted to be more general, but it's, it's too heavy of a subject and of a subject matter, not to at least talk about it in part or greater. Cause again, it's horrific. Real violence is is something that people like to laugh off and anybody who has spent time on the on the the grayer parts of the internet, especially in the in the earlier two thousands and or in mid two thousands, like you could find vid you could find videos of actual death and 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 destruction everywhere if you knew where you were looking for, and you would have these throngs of people who were completely desensitized to real violence because they it referred to as just gore posting and. You don't even need to do that. You can always just, if you happen to live in those areas in town, or you happen to know those areas in town, you can always just go there and you can probably, if you wait around, you might just quote unquote, based on your perspective, be lucky enough to see something erupt. <laughs> and if you're looking for that kind of trouble, uh, you might find it. You just might not exactly like what, might happen to you because the unfortunate reality is is that some humans use violence and they may not always and they may not always see reason and because they don't see reason they become especially dangerous you you never know with that kind of stuff Reason, reason goes out the window. The problem with a lot of people is they let emotion di- dictate how they're going to react to something. That, that's why having a cool down period before you make a final decision on something that is emotionally charged is usually an optimal thing to do. Well, that's because emotional is a more instinctive and primal aspect of ourselves. Whether we like it or not, whether we try to distance ourselves from emotion based on our intelligence, we are naturally emotional creatures before we are rational. Agreed. And I think that that actually came to its came to its uh, its conclusion in the shooter's final act, as it were, when he turned the gun on himself and basically turned what was a double homicide into a double homicide suicide scenario. And as far as that's concerned, I've talked with many people about suicide as a whole. And I feel it's something that there, there's different differing viewpoints on general consensus is depending on the, depending on the circumstances, it, it had, it has some form of, gravity to it obviously because anybody ending their own life is has gravity to it i don't care what what how, how disconnected you are from society any loss of human life is a tragedy i don't care if you're if you're living in slums i don't care if you're on the street because you, you your death still affects somebody even at the most basic level of them having to you know discard your mortal shell after you're done using it indeed even in the smallest circles your death matters to someone 
Yep. And a lot of people like to go, oh, well, you know, this is your, your, you, it's a mental, it's a mental illness because you're fighting your body's natural proclivity to survive. You're overriding that, that, those pro, that programming and protocols to end your own existence. And I go, this is true. In survival instinct is something that's built into all creatures on this planet. You won't hear me argue in that, in that word. But I don't know if you want to go as far as to say it's something that's straight up, you're, you're messed up in the head because of it. In a lot of cases, it's a byproduct of mental illness, but it in and of itself is not a mental illness. Being suicidal is usually a symptom, not so much a, a thing. And by those metrics, usually when people make the cost-benefit analysis decision on, with regards to suicide like that it's it has more to do with them basically going what do i have going for me what and what versus what traumas i'm currently suffering through and they come up with and maybe the math is faulty maybe they're missing again maybe they're missing a number and they make the decision to off themselves again you don't. You can never understand a person's reasoning for doing stuff because they're gone. Especially in regards to suicide, they, they've they've killed themselves. You can't ask them anything, even if they left a note. All the notes going to give you, unless they went through the trouble of writing a pretty decent, you know, diatribe down, is it's going to give you the general general reasons why they did it. And I wouldn't even think that would be sufficient. In all honesty. Because when a person is at that statement, when, the, when they're in that state, no matter – they are basically reasoning within themselves that it has to – that it's – that being alive no longer benefits them at all. And when someone who isn't in that state reads their reasoning behind it, it's still going to end up being completely irrational because they might be able to find a way – to rationalize against their against their thoughts, so I can't. And okay, speaking as a person who actually has attempted suicide, I know that I personally rationalized the. I I reasoned with myself the the pros and cons and whether or not. I felt that being alive was even worth it. And now even looking back, even though I personally knew all the reasons, I now find myself finding answers as to no, that's not that doesn't make any sense. I can't even find sense to my own past rationalizations on why I wanted to do it. I can't even fathom when I view these things because we tend to fool ourselves into thinking that we can deal with so, so many dark topics. Considering how our me- how, how we consume our media, such as when we watch horror, when we watch thrillers, when we watch blood and gore films, it's but when you see that explode happen to you in real in real life 
that's not something people can take in so easily anymore. Unless you are absolutely mentally snapped. That's not... Your, your mortality, your humanity is what ends up breaking you when, when you're engulfed in such conflicts. It's a tragedy beyond all it beyond remorse. But unfortunately, that's something that we tend to push aside because all things considered, we don't really value human life very much. Hell, my ancestral home, Honduras. Had, had I thought they were stupid in this regard, um, back in the back in the seventies, they were in conflict with El Salvador because El Salvador was have at least El um, Salvadorians were immigrating to Honduras. Keep in mind, Honduras is a much larger nation in comparison to El Salvador. They have more land to work with, so. When there, when El Salvador was basically overpopulated, they were emigrating to Honduras, looking for a new home and stuff. And uh, Honduras didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. They hated that fact, and they kept booting them out as a result. So El Salvador didn't like that. And then their, and then their. Uh, their conflicts heated up even more for during the World Cup, where they were within striking distance of being in the uh, in the playoffs, essentially, for the World Cup. And when Honduras lost, ultimately lost to El Salvador, they declared war on El Salvador. Thousands of lives were ki- were lost. In a course of a month, all over a fucking soccer game. You had the pl- you had the distinct pleasure of having the time to be able to finally mat your problems out, and that's really what ends up happening. Because suicide is a ra- suicide, in my opinion, comes in two ty- two types. There's the off the cuff, I've made a decision, I've looked at everything, despair has overtaken me, I can't do this anymore. And the, I am terminally ill, I see no reason to continue living because my life will be spent in abject agony for whether me trying to go through useless amounts of um, uh, medical medical care care or hospice or the medical bills as a whole, because again, that stuff is a money sink par excellence. Yeah. For, for the latter, for those people in, in it, looking at it and looking for medical, looking at medical euthanasia as a way to escape terminal illness. It's very difficult for me to argue against that. I know there are religious people and religious sects who believe that, a life, a, a life well lived, has to come to a lot, come come to a natural conclusion. You know, pain and suffering is the province of uh, pain and suffering is the province of, of humans it, it, within the context of religion. And to abate that is to 
turn away from what what has given to you by whatever deity that has empowered you. I personally find that to be ridiculous. And if you cared that much about your family members to watch them writhe in agony that way in a pile of their own waste and, you know, drooling half vegetable state, you aren't doing them a disservice. You're doing them a disservice when you do that kind of stuff. Nobody, everyone deserves to die with dignity is the statement, a statement I've heard often. And I can't agree more with that. You, you are. Yeah, it's hard. Argument, I mean, unless the circumstances are outside of your control, if you are given a window of opportunity and you know that there is no escape or a low chance of survival and you're getting to the point where the, the, the avenues for rehabilitation and some form of um, medical miracles are out, out of the question, why should you sit there and break down horribly? Anybody who anybody who's ever witnessed hospice care and, and, and somebody going through the stages of death, because it is a process. Uh, it, it is natural death. People who have died of old, who die of old age or some form of terminal illness to go is not a, not a one step thing. As much as Hollywood would like it to be, oh, I'm ill bleh, and then die. No, it's so much more in. It's so much more involved. There are much more aspects in place that people don't take into account having family they can't take it to account because that's all isn't that a bit more personal so it's kind of hard to to empathize with it when you know they're passing away as you speak and as they pass you know they it's not something you can explain to them and explain to people hey this is how i'm feeling or this is how it's going it's like it's not exactly the easiest thing to um, to visualize. It's true, and the, the articulation at that point, especially when you're in the throes of death, it, it, as you said, it's very difficult to do that. You're not probably you might not be in your right mind at that point. There are a lot of chemicals going through your body as you as you expire, and. And, and some of them don't leave you in a state of lucidity where you can articulate, well, one, your, your, your wishes, because, you know, you always have people who talk about, oh, well, their final wishes were this. It's like, they might've told you that prior to, to them going through the, going through the process. I don't know if they were lucid enough to tell you that in that point, good for them. They weren't overcome by the chemical cocktail that your body gives you. So you don't have to experience the horrific aspects of dying because again, dying is not painless. If you go in your sleep, lucky you. If you go in a medical-induced coma, lucky you. If you are very well aware of the process and you're awake through the entirety of it, it there's a reason your body does you that does you that last solid prior to you going you you jettisoning your jettisoning your mortal shell. It's one of the just like just like adrenaline and other chemicals pump through your body when you get hurt or in you're in a state of panic. Your body's doing you a solid. So you don't have to deal with the greater aspects of pain or, uh, or panic in that, in those, in those particular situations. So I don't know. I, I think really at the end of the day, and I've said this many times before outside of the podcast as well, it's like death never affects the person who does it because they've already, they've already gone through the process. Death is the death. Death is the ripple effect that happens outward 
to the to their surrounding community and family who are left behind. They're lo- they're left to shoulder the burden of memory of this person. They always say, never think of the bad times, always think of the good times of this person. It's like, well, a human being is a combination of all the good and bad that they do. And if you don't take into account all aspects of what they've done in their lives, good and bad, you do them a disservice for a life well lived. Well, the argument to that is that there are people that, that if you try to bring up the bad things that you're speaking ill of the dead and not really showing any respect to them. Uh, if we could look at the example of Kobe Bryant's death as of last year, it was tragic. He, he died in a helicopter related accident with his daughter. It was very tragic, but the moment he passed, someone decided to talk about how he talked about his rape case back in 2005. Yeah. Like it, it, it clearly it was clearly every person. It's not that people don't have any faults, but clearly this person wasn't thinking wasn't thinking about respecting Bryant at all, but rather trying to smear him now that he's dead. And that is a doubt. This is why more. This is why it is traditional that people don't speak ill of the dead at least not for a while not for a while you certainly don't do so the moment that person died like that is the ultimate dick move yes i agree but as you said it should be something that shouldn't be they can be that should be backburnered obviously um, what ends up happening yeah, is it's, no it's, I, it, for me i think the situation was it was a celebrity who had passed on Someone just wanted to take, wanted to, wanted to uh, take a take a parting swing at him because of whatever perceived ills they felt. Maybe they were wronged in that regard. I'm not saying it was good or bad. It's just it is what it is. I agree with you. You shouldn't speak ill of the dead, especially on a, especially when they're freshly dead. That's kind of really stupid. But you can't control what you can't it's control what people think and say in that regard. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Eventually, some it's you're not going to stop people from speaking their minds on whatever on, on, on that on whoever has passed whatsoever. Eventually, both the goods and the ills, it's going to pop out. It's just depending on the context that it's it, it, it depends on the context on on what they're saying on the situation at hand that kind of helped determines whether it's a a simple truth of the matter or simply slander and libel. Well, that's a, that's a matter for the courts. I don't, again, in, in regard, in in regards to what someone says on social media, it's a completely different experience than someone printing something on in, in an article that would be that at that point would be something that might get a little bit more might get a little bit more litigation attention fair enough i just used those words not necessarily in context of the courts but i just didn't know how to say it in uh any better without sounding you know unprofessional no it's it's understandable now 
it's as we've as we're going going through the concept here this leads to leads us to the final topic of mortality as it is just the the preponderance of it as a looming uh sort of damocles i guess would be the best way to describe it over the head of any mortal being and the and and dwelling on it as a person a lot of people like to speculate oh you know like oh don't think about it you just want to live your life and you know, you shouldn't think about death because it's going to it's going to distract you from doing things it's like that really depends on the level of energy you're willing to invest in that process. I think everybody should obviously keep a keep keep aware of that, that, that sort of situation is always a possibility. Those who make it to a ripe old age and dying, you know, surrounded by their loved ones. That is that is that is viewed, especially in most societies, as a reward, because we live in a world of dangers. They may not be; they may be more muted now because we have civilization to surround us from a lot of the outside dangers. But within, there's still dangers there that can take your life at any given point as well. I think that's something a you have. I think it depends on how comfortable a person really is with death. Because you can make that argument all you like, but a person who isn't comfortable with the idea of death may also harbor an unrelenting fear of it. So they just distract themselves with anything else as possible, with any other topic, to try and keep that thought out of their minds. It's not because let's, I mean, just as you said, this isn't something that you can this isn't something you can just hope to avoid. Death comes for us all, whether we like it or not. And until we somehow manage to medically cure ourselves of that, we all have to visit death's door sometime. And with that fact, it only makes sense to some that you completely ignore it and just live your life. The old saying, live today like it's your very last day. And fair enough. But if you're living without the fear of death is almost the same as living with the fear of death in, a, in some aspect. Because now, without that, without that fear, you have no, you have no, um, you have no reason to, you have no reason, or you cannot be reasoned with when it comes to dangerous situations. And when you cannot be reasoned with, you end up being more reckless. When you end up being more reckless, you prone yourself to more dangerous situations. I think the da that daredevil aspect of a lot of people who do throw caution to the wind in a lot of cases, I think that has to do with a specific type of lifestyle. And I don't know if it has, if you could connect it back to the concept of, you know, avoidance of, avoidance of mortality as it is. Uh, thrill seekers are who they are. They're a different type altogether, and there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, an adrenaline junkie scenario well, playing out in in what they do. Be it 
Well, thrill seekers don't. Well, thrill seekers they don't. They're not a. They don't simply fear death. They embrace it by engaging in such deep in such activity. Yeah, it gives them a spike of adrenaline. They're they're they get hopped up on it. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. I mean, one of my. Dr- I wouldn't consider myself an adrenaline junkie, but one of the things that I would love to do in my lifetime is skydive just for the thrill, just for the thrill of being to, at least to pretend that I can actually fly, bring my anime, ver- my anime self thinking, Oh my God, I, Vegeta, I can fly. <laughs> exactly. Well, of course, of course, nobody will be able to hear me as I'm falling about 5,000 feet in the air. No, 5,000 feet from the air. And I'll be like, I can't fly! You dumbass, you forgot the parachute! Well, well considering the first time you do it, you'll be doing it tandem. It won't matter regardless. Yeah, you can fly, but you'll be strapped to someone else who is absolutely going to pull that parachute because they do not want to join you in anime heaven. That is also true. <laughs> so, like, you may have paid $1,500 to do this shit, but I sure as fuck am not spending an extra ten grand in my business per year just for your dumb ass to yep. die. There is a bit of there is a bit of responsibility that they hold, and they refuse to let you go. But I think the 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 advantage of mortality is something that a lot of people really just aren't keen to think about because they view the they view the negatives much more much more heavily than they do the positives. And I I one I for one look at mortality as the deadline. It's a deadline for everyone. You don't know when it's happening. You're not bidden to know that kind of stuff. Unless, obviously, you have a death sentence, at which point you know exactly when that's going to happen. But to those who are living a non-death row life or non-terminal illness life, you that, that, that deadline is something that's far enough out of the way to allow you to put your affairs in order. And close enough where you will always have have it standing over your shoulder like a boss waiting for you to turn in, turn in your TPS report. And it's something that isn't in its duality is a value because it compels you to do something of value with your life. It should. I can tell you from personal experience and the people that I've talked to in the past, it doesn't always work out that way. I don't understand how that how how they've managed to avoid that. I don't, maybe maybe there were other things in play there. I'm not going to worry about it. But you should at the very yeah, that's there's usually these factors. I, 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 everyone, it, the world is filled with different people, and how they inter, how they interact with the time that they have left is very much unique to them. But for me personally, it's. I, I look at it and say, this gives me a reason to make sure that I'm doing everything that I feel I need to and want to within the time frame. Because, uh, one, I want to absorb that experience into myself for what in, in whatever capacity I can, memories, pictures, souvenirs, 
scars, you know, stories, etc. And I when it gives me a definitive reason to continue pushing forward on those things. I think the concept of immortality is something that people grab onto as a way to abate the fears of death. And I know that sounds obvious when you think about it, but you go into the, you got to go into the deeper, the deeper roots of it because it's, if, if you're constantly hoping that medical science is going to advance enough where you don't have to worry about your number coming up, you're always going to be functioning with that in the back of your head as your ultimate goal. Now that's anybody's guess if that's delusional or if you're just, you're assuming something that's going to happen that doesn't really have any basis in reality. That's, I don't know that people love to talk about, Oh, well, we're going to be the last, we're going to be the last generation who has to deal with death. Our, our children and children's children will never have to deal with death again. I'm like, you know, the, the concept of immortality is not where you think it needs to be. We haven't even effectively cured all diseases yet where we can actually make it, make that as a definitive possibility. I personally cannot, I, I personally wouldn't believe that is possible. I mean, there are ways to prolong existence, but it's not going to be permanent. Well, the reason, if I remember correctly, is that they found a specific species of I think it's a, I think it was a protozoa or something like that, that uh, apparently it basically is immortal. They have found some that are tens of thousands of years old and still alive. And they've infected it with all sorts of diseases and it still lives. So it's not like immortality is completely out of the possibility but I don't know if it's something that could be so for something like multicellular organisms. But I think you make a fair point when it comes to the, the value we hold through the, through the lens of mortality. If we look at it from a value of currency, we don't have – our days are limited on this planet. And with each day that we expend, we have less and less to work with. It's not something we can buy back. It's not something we can get more of. So it makes sense that we cherish every single day that we breathe on this earth. But immortality takes away that it dilutes and devalues it all. Because no matter how many days go by, you'll have an infinite resource of days ahead of you, meaning everything loses value because you can because you can afford to do anything. What motivation will you have? What desire will you have when everything go when you when you don't have anything to worry about? Then that really is the the issue. And 
I know I know there are tons of narratives that have actually talked about immortality and in, in, in various forms. Uh, usually, it has to do with with vampirism in that regard, being a vampire, you know, living off of other people, but li- basically being an undying creature frozen in time. And I, I mean, talking about just plain old, you know, no strings attached immortality. There's another issue that people don't seem to understand, and a lot of people talk about as well, is that every day that you're immortal, you're not, you're still not immune to the effects of entropy in the ways that you think you are. You're undying. You cannot be killed there in in any traditional aspect, but you also run the risk of ending up in a situation that you may never escape. You fall down into a cha- you fall down into a chasm Indeed. and you don't aren't physically capable of escaping it. You're stuck there with your thoughts forever. That's in itself terrifying. At least if you have at least if you have mortality, if you fall down somewhere and injure yourself, one of two things is going to occur. Death is going to claim you because of malnourishment or the elements or something's just going to eat you. So you, you at the very least have the release of death to free you from whatever stupidity you may occur, may, may have. You're immortal and you end up in freezing water and end up stuck there. Who knows when you're coming out of it? And if you're cognizant the entire time, you may not even be a human being when they pull you back out. You may be a gibbering idiot or a monster of some kind by the time they pull you free an immortal monster who's not bidden to the hu- to, to human frailties who's not bidden to human sensibilities and, and and empathy because you've lived in ice for so long you don't have there's no you, you've abandoned all forms of reason because you've been there for who knows how long you have hundred years a thousand years god help you if you stay out in that longer the other problem with it is time dilation is something that people don't really like to talk about. It's like, oh, well, my weekend went by really quick. Well, yeah, because your brain does a lot of streamlining of your pro- of things that you do. I guarantee you I don't even remember what the hell I had for breakfast most, most days before today because I don't think about it. My brain just doesn't even log it away anymore. It's like, did you put nourishment in your body? Cool, then we're not going to think about it. Did you safely make it to work without hitting anybody? Sweet. You don't remember that you actually did that. And that streamlining process gets so much more enhanced as you get older. Can you imagine the time dilation you'd have to deal with as an immortal? Entire weeks and months can go by and you wouldn't remember any of it. It will. It absolutely will. Your brain can only store so much information. And when little matters to you as an immortal, your brain is eventually going to dismiss so much information. You may not even remember your, you may not even remember your loved ones because after millennia of them being gone from your life, what do they matter anymore? So your brain eventually forgets. The, the, one of the more depressing aspects of old age is people who have gone past, as I refer to as the gravy point, 
I've always stated that anything after 85 years old is, is just extra gravy on top of your mashed potatoes. Because 85 tends to be, if you look at the expanded lifespan of people, the apex of where most people tend to live up to. So when you have people who have gone beyond that into the 90s or people who've, God help you, if you've made it to full centenarian, good for you. I commend any person who's made it to 100 years of age. You have lived a full century. And I, 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 I bow my head. That is something that should be valued. But at the same time, how many people are even left alive in your friend group for you to reach out to? How lonely that has to feel. Can you imagine how disconnected from reality and humanity you'd be if it were 200 years, 300 years, 400 years? And then add on top of that, that you may not physically the change. Culture. You're stuck in your current age and, and, and you're at your current age physically and everyone else has aged out. What are you doing with yourself? How do you even cope with that? I couldn't imagine. Well, then there's even more if you can if you consider the factor natural disaster. Let's face it, human race is not eternal. Just because we've evolved doesn't mean we're going to make it until time is until time ends. Eventually, we'll be extinct. But as an immortal, you'll remain. As humans, no, as as humans disappear, and other life replaces it. You'll be alone to deal with creatures that cannot communicate with you, cannot understand you, and cannot know, and does not even know what you are. And even grimmer, it has been estimated that about five billion years, the sun will explode, and literally everything in the galaxy will die. So. When that happens, you'll be left with a smoldering rock over eight, over 10,000 miles in diameter with nowhere to go, nothing to do, and nothing to build. Now, assuming that you actually, you know, we actually build, you know, interplanetary exploration and shit, um... That is a possibility, but more likely humanity would probably be wiped out before we get to that, all things considered. You would have to figure that shit out. I mean, out you'd yourself. have all the time in the world to do it, but resources would definitely be limited depending on where you are where you're at and if there's anybody left or any remnants of humanity for you to assemble something out of. I think a I think a fine example would be an episode in the justice league with vandal savage where thousands of years after humanity is ex is extinguished he basically takes what's left and starts rebuilding because ultimately ended up being his fault an immortal who desired world conquest and failed miserably or succeeded depending on uh on the perspective because apparently to him he still technically rules the world and i can't say i blame him because if there's no one left to claim it yeah claim it yourself but yeah in all in all seriousness 
the prospect of immortality is that everything around you becomes less and less valuable to you because the precious the the press no, the uh the treasure of life is that it is temporary and when you take that when you take that away there's little to there's little to um there's little to sympathize yep. with it, it 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 definitely takes it, it makes the the concept of immortality so much more of a of a of a of a terrifying punishment or a torture because being bidden to be able to to enjoy the the human experience without any of the the consequences seems on paper to be something that we we should all be why why wouldn't you want to be immortal i don't want immortality and i think a lot of proponents for that kind of stuff tend to view things in a very positive viewpoint they said i don't want immortality i just want control over when i go and I find that to be a lot more of an appealing thing because what would be, what would be more effective for somebody to be immortal and to be able to see the dying of the planets in the, in the universe or being, being able to tell say, when you are done, you're done. No matter what that is, you age to a specific age of, of adult maturity. You stay at that point until you're just, you just don't feel like doing it. You hit a switch and then the process of death begins. Could be, could be, you know, eighty-five years. You could live two, two hundred years. You could live a thousand years. Whenever you choose to be done, that's when you're done. I think that would be the more optimal viewpoint that people should have in that regard, because scattering your consciousness, you know, uh, across across the cosmos and living forever in that regard, you're, you're really, really, it's a bit narcissistic in that viewpoint, and I don't personally think there's an intrinsic value in that kind of stuff especially when we have stuff like ai and robotics starting to build up in 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 significance as as we roll forward and into into the future and what ends what what people look at especially with uh popular sci-fi tropes it's like oh well we won't die we'll just become immortal we'll just become we'll live in robotic bodies. And I'm like, well, sure. But even those have a lifespan. Well, sure. We just moved to another one. Well, you didn't really move. You actually died and they copied your consciousness onto another shell. That's not you. The original you was in that mortal shell that you discarded trying to become an immortal robot. That, that is a distinct entity from whatever body your, your conscious, the, the, the uh, copied version of your consciousness gets slapped onto. It will be you in behavior and, and proclivity, but it won't be the original you. And nobody really wants to put thought into that. They're like, oh, no, well, it's still going to be you. What, what, what's the difference? Simply, simply put, it's an imitation of you. It may act like you. It may sound like you. And it may even think like you. Yeah, the, you, the, you. the original you is gone. that version is a copy and whatever and whatever experiences it has 
aren't going to be yours. They will be like yours. There will be parallels, but it won't be you. And I think a lot of people like to like to delude themselves thinking, oh, no, I'll totally be in there. I will. You know, it'll be me. You know, they'll move my consciousness. I'm like, well, first of all, data doesn't function that way in basic computing. When you copy over files or transfer files, they're not it's not like they're moving one cluster of uh, of memory to another area. They are copying and destroying the previous iteration to put onto a different location. You will not exist in that in that in that abstract. A copy of you will, and if that's what you care about, if you just want a copy of you floating around in 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 eternity, you know, even if it's daisy chained off of several different cybernetic forms, or you know, digital programs, cool, good on you. I'm glad that you achieved whatever that achieved whatever goal that you were attempting to do. And that you've gone forward in, and that a version of you has gone forward in time beyond your mortal form. Good on you. But don't delude yourself into thinking that you're going to get to experience that. Because the you that... Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of a deluded... Like you said, it's kind of a... It's, it's kind of delusional for you to think that you'll get to live on as a computer program and not it's the idea is not only absurd but it's clearly sec, uh, state staged stage one of uh, the acceptance of death agreed Complete denial and i think in 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 those regards it, it definitely plays out to to outside observers it's kind of sad because there's no for for them there is no there is no eternity it's just a different phase of finality with a different coat of paint on and like i said if you if your objective was to have a living legacy of yourself further on in your thoughts and your in and that has your behaviors and actions and philosophies I, I, I'm glad for you. It, it's your legacy. But that's what it's always going to be. It's going to be your legacy. It'll never be you. It'll just be a segment of you that you have broken free and set forth into the, into the time, into, into the human concept of time. Mortality. I, I'm more, I don't, and like I said, I don't, what I'm do you- not averse to the concept of, of limited mort- immortality. We should go whenever we feel comfortable we go. When you're able to make a rational decision and you've felt like you've tied up all your loose ends, that's when you should be allowed to make that decision. But true immortality is a, is a sentence of torture. You're never going to, unless you live in some kind of bubble that protects you from every possible danger that could prevent you from being functional within the realm that you're trying to Put, put forth some kind of action something will eventually get you you won't die and in that in that terrifying thought process is the most most disconcerting reason to to avoid immortality is that you cannot escape and what you come out from the other end of that whole ordeal if you ever come out of it again it may never happen you may you may be stuck in 
what could only be described as the the human equivalent of a you may be a mosquito in the human equivalent of an M, of an amber sap amber stuck there for eternity until a scientist finds you what if no one ever does you're not dead you can't die you're just there and unless you found a way to met, to, to put yourself in a permanent state of hibernation you're going to be extremely aware of what occurs there is, I believe, a scientific saying that the likelihood that you don't die from anything, the higher chance that something very bad will happen to you. It's an inverse of thing. It's an inverse of luck of sorts. I'm not sure if I'm quoting it properly, but yeah, uh, it's uh, that sounds right. So even if it even if it isn't exactly on point, I wouldn't be shocked in that in that rate, especially in those ratios. And that and that I think really needs to be the the, the catalyst for people is just don't don't wish for something that you cannot possibly grasp as a mortal being, because the gravity of what you're trying to accomplish is something that's been written is something that's been written about multiple times and the risks attached to them. It, it, if you want a litany of days that you get, you can live, live on it, there, there are better, better ways to do that. It, and I think it'd be easier, at least by my metric to m- make those kind of connections rather than just trying to circumvent a natural process. And that's fair. I agree. History has shown us that people have always sought after immortality, and we've done lots of crazy shit to go for. But the one thing that life has taught us is that when we pursue something as... (laughs) I guess something as desirable as immortality, it may not, in the end, if we do manage to do it, it may not be the golden egg you always wanted. I mean, even if you look at. Go ahead. No, go right ahead. I was just going to say that. Even something as coveted as immortality has its hidden. I think every poison. action has a consequence, anyway. So, even to even to even to a, even to remove the equation of mortality itself as its own consequence, it's just a matter of understanding what what that would entail for for you. People like to say, "Oh, well, you know, I know what I would do, you know, for the first, you know, first fifty years and hundred years, or." It's like that's great. I'm glad that you have a battle plan and you know what you're going to do with the with your with your unlimited time. Boredom will set in at some point, and no one is long enough. No one can think beyond their beyond immortals, but beyond mortal concepts. For what in whatever in whatever viewpoint that might be, within. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, after all. Heck, we live in a society right now where we are constantly bombarded by entertainment through all forms of media, 
just to try and keep ourselves entertained. If us as mortals struggle to keep ourselves entertained, what makes you think you're going to do any better when and that's what makes you out think of the that equation? You go into aberrant behavior when you run out of run out of mortal mortal entertainment that you that that others others enjoy. What happens if you become a relentless monster? Nobody, everyone thinks they're going to beat these law-abiding citizens, and they're like, "Oh, well, I'll just live my life and just be left alone." I'm like, seclusion's a terrible thing to do to it to a mortal human mind. We need other people to reach out to and talk to because if we don't, we start going crazy, and our brain starts inventing things to keep us from going crazy. You know how deluded and insane that you might be. If you're left to your own devices for, a, if for time at infinitum, I wouldn't want to fucking postulate on that. I just couldn't see myself thinking about it. I, I, that, that terrifies Which me more I, than death does. I think that statement, though, uh, and, I, and I agree. Um, I think the statement, though, that you made actually made there's more significance than you realize. Because if you think, of, because the thing is, we all have a social contract that we abide the laws of our government on which we appointed and the consequences upon breaking those laws can include and are not limited, but not limited to death. When some of the biggest laws, some of the, some of the most, some of the biggest laws, including treason are, you know, punishable by death. And as an, as an immortal that no longer is uh, applying to you, it kind of leaves you the question, what's to stop you from doing it? You lose that fear of you lose that fear because it because now the worst punishments don't really apply to you anymore. And with that being put into your mind, what's to stop you from doing anything? Simple answer is it. The idea is that when when there is nothing that can punish you, what would you do? We already see this when we're like when we're kids, when we're not, when we're uh, taught by when, when being disciplined by our parents for doing things that you disobey from, and then you have. When later on, when they trust you not to break the rules, so they don't necessarily tell you, but they expect you that you know the rules, and they go on their merry way. You know the rules are still in effect, but you don't break, and you don't break them as a result. But what would you do? When those punishments no longer apply to you. Well, as kids, you go fucking nuts. Because who's to stop you? You can do what you want. The but now you're an immortal adult. When the biggest laws can no longer har harm you or punish you. What's to stop you? Your morality? As an immortal, the likelihood of your morality decaying becomes that much greater. Yep. 
And moreover, that that's one facet that way you would have to worry about. The other would be society's extremely adaptable. And one of two things ends up occurring. One, you don't they 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 sentence you to death and you don't die. And they keep trying to do so and they can't do it. So then there's the other alternative that goes back to my statement. They just lock you up somewhere and forget about you, which would be even more of a punishment. Because you still you still have mortal you're still only mortal. And you can't physically break through, you know, 20 feet of steel and be and get out of the shackles that may may put on you for the rest of existence. And God help you if you're forgotten about in that context. That terrify that would be more terrifying than anything else. Not just not just you being, you know, incarcerated, but being locked up forever. Because they're they can't get rid of you, but they know you'll never escape because you're not strong enough. At least if you're caught in a glacier yeah, and frozen, true. there might be a chance someone finds you. People actively making sure that you cease to exist in society. That's probably much more terrifying. Such as it is. Yeah. Yeah, you'd probably degrade into madness. I mean, if you're already crazy, it doesn't really matter. It's just another layer of ketchup on the already existing pile of ketchup. But I think I think it just it would just be something that I Ketchup. That's what I was saying. You could probably drown Well, I mean, at that point, that you start to be the, the hallucinations would be to the point where I don't think it would really matter anymore. You'd probably invent your own world that you'd live in at that point. Eventually, the stuff that's holding you in place is going to degrade at least the internal things like shackles, etc. So, I mean, if you just waited out long enough, you'd be able to get up and moving around. But what if they put you in some kind of sensory deprivation of some kind? I think that would be much more terrifying. It's like, what are you doing? Well, we're cutting him off from all forms of sense sensation, and we're just going to leave him there forever. Oh, that that sounds really terrifying, horrifying for a mortal. At least a mortal will eventually die because of starvation and and other and malnourishment. Um, an immortal is stuck there, hallucinating out of his gourd suspended in a liquid that's the same body temperature as he is. I don't know. I feel like that would just be, again, something much more terrifying than mortality. Something you have to think of, something that normal people shouldn't think about anyways. But when, when we're in a podcast and we're sitting here at, at the bar drinking, I mean, hypotheticals are abound. You just kind of have to take it, take it and, you know, put a little sugar on the rim if it bothers you. Well, that's true. When I mean, when you're discussing extreme top, at least when it comes to this, because I would consider immortality an extreme topic. But when you're discussing it, I mean, you're going to have to postulate extreme reasons or extreme um, thoughts and extreme examples. And I think we have it um, locked down yeah. here. I think. I think coming around to summary, it's. Mortality's aspects are things that we, we deal with as human beings all the time. 
There, there's no way to escape it in that in that aspect from from cradle to just be just before the grave. You're just going to have to deal with that as a reality. I think taking solace in that as a positive, contrasted versus what could what, what could be a far grander consequence is something we definitely need to take into account. And as far as needless death is concerned, it will always be that way. But I think it's, we always need to be aware that those things happen. I think a lot of people like to turn their heads and avoid looking at the, 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 the naked horror of death in its various forms. And I don't begrudge anybody for doing that. Not everybody has the, has the fortitude mentally to, to stare blindly stare blankly into such a terrifying void and not at least flinch uh, to to one degree or another especially the people that you know i've i've heard talk about the, the different you know videos and things that they've watched of, of mortality playing out as it were and with regards to you know suicide I think you've got to take the different aspects in completely the opposite direction from immortality and just realizing that you always have a chance to make things better for yourself. I will never, I, well, one, I can't begrudge them because they're dead, but I will never begrudge somebody who, who, act, who has actively taken their life. I'm, and this is coming from someone who has experienced people who committed suicide in their life. You never know what the reason is for them be, doing it. But if you can, if they can be reasoned with to a point where they can come to a come to a conclusion that isn't, you know, isn't the end of their own life, and they can be made to realize that there is so much more in front of them than they think there is, I think that's just a that's a better day overall. But in the case of medical procedures and that kind of stuff, if you're terminally ill, you're you're allowed to make that decision, especially. I think that's not only not only a, a privilege at that point. It's your right. It's your life, and if it's going to end and because end in a horrific manner, and you're aware of it, you you should be allowed to make that decision yourself. In short, I think all these tragedies just gives us a more, uh, gives us a better example of how how much of a treasure life truly is. And the ones who still walk on the planet, it just gives us more to appreciate. We all have limited time on this earth. Spend it wisely. And I hope to every single one of you that when that time finally comes and you have to punch out, that you can look back onto your lives and ask yourself, did I enjoy this ride? And I hope you answered yes. Because I know that's what I would want to do. All right. So <clears throat> you can find our podcast on the Anchor app itself if you have it. Um, the Anchor app also publishes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, CastBox, and a few choice others. Um, if any of those platforms are defunct, obviously ignore them, but the major ones are Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, etc. Uh, you can contact us individually if you wish. Um, I am at punk toast. 
I'm sorry. I am Punk Toast on Twitter. There's no at there. Um, you can also contact me via Instagram, also at Punk Toast. Go ahead, uh, Harma. What's your what's your shtick? You can find me as the Ragnarok Knight on Twitter as well. It has been a pleasure discussing with you tonight. Thank you for Absolutely. joining us. Thank you all, and uh, this has been Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. Please join us next time at the bar where we will serenade you with more rants and insanity as we often do. Keep your wits about you and have your booze ready. Cast off, friends.